Joining us right now is Andrew Stetka from uh, the Utah Street Report and MassInSports.com. He lives in Arizona, and he joins us right now. Andrew, how are you, my friend? Morning, Stan. How are you? I'm doing great, and first of all, congratulations. Uh, you and I don't know each other physically that well, and by physically I mean in person. I've met you several times, but I wouldn't really have, if you'd said, how much does Andrew Stetka weigh? You look like you've lost about 40 to 50 pounds. Is that accurate? Not quite that much. Almost almost 20 in, the, in about the last uh, month, month and a half. Well, it looks like a lot more on you. I appreciate it. Okay. It looks good, seriously, and I bet you feel better, don't you? I do, definitely. Yeah. Glenn Clark's lost like like roughly 50 pounds in a year. Yeah, he's up around 50 or 60, I think. I, you know, he's been talking about it for a while now. I yeah. figured I might as well get into the game. Yeah. I'll tell you what, you guys are at your age. That's the time to get into it. I lost, I started eating isogenics. Do you know what that is? The yeah, bar, yeah, the bars and here. shakes. Well, I've, I lost about 13 or 14 pounds. I couldn't do it religiously because they ask you to do a cleanse. And my doctor did not want me to do the cleanse with the medications I take. But Ken Zalis, who lost about 60 or 70 pounds on isogenics, said, I got a secret to tell you. I lost all this weight without the cleanse. I started, I lost about 13 pounds. I've not been able to get past that. No. I mean, I eat too many calories. What can I tell you? Um, let's talk a little baseball. Um, I, I said I'm doing uh, Masson like once a week now uh, in the Mid-Atlantic Sports Report. They asked us to sound off on a topic uh, every so often. And about two weeks ago, I sounded off on despite all the bluster and negativity going on between the Major, Major League Baseball Players Association and MLB, I saw a real positive sign coming when, when they began to discuss these sort of uh, changes to the game. These are not the grand scheme of things, economic changes, but they are some changes. And I thought that that signaled that Major League Baseball really took seriously that they needed to get the ball rolling. They could not wait until six months before the next basic agreement. Uh, it sounds like they are moving forward together on some of these issues that will affect the game, not the economics of the game. Your thoughts? Well, there's no question that, that there's been positive movement. And I think, like you said, the most important thing is that there is conversation. Both both sides are at least talking. Um, it, it, you know, none of the big things are, are, are you know, really pushing forward yet but like you said early it's early enough now that just initiating talks and just starting to talk uh is a good thing and eventually some of these you know big changes to the actual on the field game and the economic part of the game are going to have to meet somewhere they're yep. they're going to have to combine and and you know negotiations will have to take place and and both sides will have to give a little bit uh on certain things that they want but I certainly think the fact that both sides are talking this early and at least initiating discussions rather than putting off until, like you said, six months before uh, things really, you know, reach an impasse is, is a good thing. It's, it's a promising start to things, at least. You know, I, at my age, I can't remember things all the time, and I forget his last name. I think it might be Whites, but the new lawyer that MLB hired is a disciple of Don Fear. Uh, excuse me, that the Players Association has hired. I, I think they know deep down that Tony Clark didn't do a great job matching wits with uh, Rob Manfred two years ago. Uh, the players kind of got the, the 
you know, they got their hat handed to them a bit. I think the fact that they brought in a serious negotiator, I think Major League Baseball has its eyes wide open and is saying, there's a lot of money in our game. Yeah, we want to control certain things, but we, we better get the ball rolling and, and talk to the other side. And I think it's a very positive sign. Yeah, there's no question, and and the, the the evidence of the money in the game was, you know, really shown in the last two weeks with deals like Manny Machado and Bryce Harper finally getting done after a long off season. It's been a weird couple of off seasons now in baseball, and you know, teams are it, it, it's a very weird landscape in Major League Baseball right now when you've got about you know twenty to twenty two teams that are just out there not. I don't want to say not trying, but they're right. not out there spending they're ju- money. They're, they're, jockeying, there. they're jockeying for position to get draft picks. They're j- jockeying right. to see when their their right window is going to open. Yeah, it's not a it's not a totally healthy environment right it's now. It's not, and and when you've got teams such as the the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Phillies, the Dodgers, the Astros, the Cubs, uh, maybe throw the Indians and Brewers in there as, as somewhat smaller market teams, but teams that are at least spending a little bit and trying um, when you've only got that handful of teams that are really out there making the effort to win, you're going to have your outliers like the Rays who don't spend, but still somehow seem to compete. Um, you know, the Rockies, I think are another example of that. And, and, and even they are spending now with, with giving Nolan Arenado the big uh, long contract extension, you know, these teams, when there's only a handful of them trying to compete, it doesn't make for you know a good environment because you've got all these free agents still out there, and we you know we know that Harper and Machado signed, but there are still guys like Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel and Adam uh, Jones Gonzalez and Adam, and Adam Jones, Jones yeah. out there on the market, and we're now you know we're into March now, and the season is you know three three and a half weeks away from starting, and these guys don't have homes. That's a problem. That's that's something that has to change. You know what's interesting, though, and I know the the names I'm going to sh- shoot out at you aren't as sexy as Machado, Keiko, Arenado, and Harper, and all that. Uh, and, and if you're living in the Kimbrel household or the Keiko household, you've got every right to be frustrated that you haven't been able to get a deal. But maybe your 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 management or agent hasn't really been a, attacking it the right way, and maybe you haven't been reasonable. But, you know, the old line about don't let the facts get in the way of a good story, just as Tony Clark was coming out and really starting to be adamant about how uh, unfair this free agency system's been, all of a sudden, I think Tony Clark got the rug pulled out from under him a little bit with extensions to players like Jorge Polanco, Max Kepler, Miles Mikolos, Luis Severino, Aaron Hicks. They may not be paying the extreme superstars, what they think they should get, but they are showing in a different way that some of these teams are going to spend money to keep their own. Well, there's no question. And and I think a lot of these players are now getting the idea that if there happens to be a worst case scenario and there's a work stoppage in in the near future, they want to lock down a guarantee for when, you know, things, if if they do get bad, they want to lock things down for, for when and if they do. I know the A's are, are now reportedly talking about extending Chris Davis. Uh, that's Chris with a K. You know, obviously, yeah, there's, the there's Orioles a lot of these... have already. We've locked down our Chris Davis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's there's a lot of these. You know, they're not the upper echelon players. They're not the Nolan Arenados, the Bryce Harpers, the Manny Machados of the world. 
But there's a lot of these second-tier players that are really important and very good players. Like you, you mentioned, a bunch of them, the Aaron Hicks of the world, Aaron Nola signed an extension. Yep. Um, that 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 are going to start getting these deals that are frankly necessary and probably you know not only team friendly but in terms of the landscape, they're going to look more player friendly as well because it's going to get these guys assurances of deals rather than having them sit out on a free agent market like Keuchel and Kimbrell have had to do. Yeah, and I think you are going to see at this next basic agreement, I'm going to make a pretty bold prediction right now, and I did sort of predict it about two or three weeks ago when I was sitting in on Mid-Atlantic Sports Report. I think you are going to see a real rarity. I think they are going to strike a deal on a new basic agreement a year to a year and a half in advance of the the current one expiring. I I think they are going to be proactive and come up with some reasonable changes to free agency, which is a system that's been around, what, 40 – it's been around about over 40 years now, I think. You know, any economic system after 40 years is probably going to need some modifications, and I think you're about to see that where players may get the free agency a little sooner – um, may get to arbitration a bit sooner and a significant increase maybe in minimum salary when you make it to the major leagues. Well, and the other thing that very, very much needs a reform is that just the fact that we've seen such an influx of youth in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've seen players like Machado, like Mike Trout, like Bryce Harper come up at an earlier age, make an impact at an earlier age. And now we've seen in the past, you know, Players who are ready for the majors, even at a younger age, uh, have to suffer in the minor league. You're talking about like the Vla- you're talking about the Vlad Guerrero exactly, situation that's this exactly year. Exactly where I'm yeah. getting to. And now we we saw it happen with Chris Bryant with the Cubs. Yep. Um, we've seen it happen with a number of players, and now it's going to happen to Vlad Guerrero here. They're going to suppress him for a few weeks in the minors to gain another to, year, to gain yep. another year of service time, and and that's something that needs to change when these players are ready to come up. They need to be brought up because there's no reason to keep them down in the minors on a minor league salary. It's not fair. It's, to it's the not fair, and, and it's, it's not, not fair, fair to the, the fans. It's not fair to the fans and the game itself because these it, are people. It, that correct. Can, yeah, yeah. You and I are thinking alike. Great minds think alike. We're talking to Andrew Stetka. This is the Bat Around. We're broadcasting live from the live casino and hotel studios. Um, I don't know if you knew that or not, but we've named our studios. We got a sponsorship deal with our friends at Live Casino and Hotel, uh, Andrew Stetka. Um, That's wonderful. It is wonderful. It is wonderful. Uh, I know if you're like me, uh, and I think we are similar, only you're a couple time zones away, you haven't seen much or anything of the Oriole play yet but have you deciphered anything from box scores or reading about the games other than that Chance Cisco likes not being part of my fantasy team? <laughs> I watched a, a good bit of the game the other day against the Phillies. It was on MLB Network. I recorded it and went back and watched a, a good bit of that one. Um, but to be honest with you, Stan, I don't take a whole lot of stock in spring training yep. games. They are about as meaningful to me as preseason NFL games or um, you know anything else. It, it, it's these guys are just getting their bodies right and getting themselves ready. Chance Disco has looked great. It's 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 true, and and a lot's going to be expected of him. I don't know if you saw it, uh, but this morning on the Athletic, Dan Connolly posted a nice uh, profile of Chance Disco and kind of what the expectations are for him this mm-hmm. season. It's a good read for for folks who haven't seen it yet. Um, his season is very important, as are a lot of these players. You know, not just 
some of the younger players uh, like Cisco and, and Trey Mancini, but you know there are a couple of Rule Five candidates to make this club. Um, this is obviously everyone knows this is going to be a, a not a season that the Orioles expect to win a lot of games, um, but it's an important one in the first year of manager Brandon Hyde and, and GM Michael Elias, where they're going to want to develop some of these stars and see who these, these young players and see who can become a star. Um, and just see kind of, you know, who can maybe be around for when this team is ready to win again in, in three or four or five years. Um, and, you know, you mentioned Cisco. He's one of the ones that I'm looking at the most. And it's not so much can he develop his, his bat, which we've seen early in the spring, uh, which really struggled last year, but it's, it's even more so can he develop his glove and his defense behind the plate. That's going to be really crucial for him. Um, because that's something that coming up through the minors he struggled with. And if he can sure up that part of his game, um, that'll go a long way into, into solidifying him as a starter and, and, you know, perhaps the long-term starter on this team. You know, the other thing to, to remember, you know, the expression, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, uh, is, is Chance Cisco's number one talent all the time coming up, and it's why they drafted him, was as a hitter. And I wonder if there was a little bit so much emphasis and pressure put on him by Buck and John Russell to improve your defense, improve your defense, that that focus on that end of the game sort of pressured him into what he was last year offensively. Remember, this is a guy who in time could play some first base. He could DH. Um, You know, you don't want to lose the one talent he really should have, which is to be a left-handed hitter that can stroke 15 to 20 home runs, knock in 65, 70 runs, and hit you 275, 280. Right. There's no question. And it's also important to remember he's 24 years old. Yep. You know, he's still he's still a young player and still learning how to play this game at a major league level. So that'll all go a long way uh, this season in a, you know, in a rebuilding phase yep. to see kind of what he can do and, and how he, he can – not only how he can hit and, and how he can perform with the bat, but like I said – defensively and how he can lead a pitching staff which you, is, you hit the nail on the head here you know, I really liked what Brandon Hyde said the other day he said we got to get this guy guy's personality to be out there that he becomes a leader of a pitching staff and that that requires somebody to be a lot more verbal than chance usually is yeah and I think we saw a lot of that even more so from Austin Wynn the, the, the fellow rookie who's a little older and mm-hmm. and you know, has a little more experience uh, from from down in the minors, but Austin Wins I think showed a little more defensive prowess than Cisco, and I think he showed um, you know a little more of a connection with the pitching staff when he was behind the plate last year, and I think he's probably a, a good candidate to back up Cisco this year. Uh, he'd, he'd be my choice, you know, here in the early going. We'll see kind of how things develop. There's some other catchers in camp, but um, but yeah, that's definitely something to to, to keep an eye on and, and watch develop. Uh, we talked about the um, the desire by teams to keep some players down in the minors to buy an extra year of service time. Um, if all things are equal and Yusnail Diaz and Austin Hayes really perform well, do you think the Orioles would bring one or both of them up at the expense of perhaps Rickard or Stort? Or do you see, because that's still the law, that Usnail Diaz and Hayes both start the season at AAA for at least a month, and Ricker and Stewart get an opportunity to nail down right field. 
I think I, I definitely don't think Diaz or maybe Hayes, but I definitely don't think Diaz will be up. Yeah. Um, and 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 like we talked about with 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 holding these guys down in the minors uh, for those extra couple weeks in order to manipulate service time. I want to be clear. That's something that teams should do. Uh, it's the smart economic baseball thing to do. The problem here is not with the teams doing it. It's with the system allowing them to do it. Um, you know, that's a smart thing that the Cubs did with Chris Bryant. Um, it's a smart thing that, that, that the Blue Jays are going to do with Vlad Guerrero Jr. Um, it's not, you know, they're, they're not to be blamed for following the system, um, and following kind of the the, the rules to, to, to benefit themselves. And I think the Orioles would be smart to do the same with a player like Yusniel Diaz. I don't think we'll see him come north on the 25-man roster with the club to start the season, but there's certainly a chance for him to make an appearance at some point this year, and the same goes for Hayes. Um, you know, we've seen a little bit of Hayes here and there, so I'm not exactly sure of his, you know, what what his service time implications are, but, um, but you know, the, a lot of players are going to have a chance in that outfield this year. There's a lot of youth out there uh, with between Cedric Mullins and DJ Stewart, uh, you know, Rickard is a guy who's been around for a little while. I think he'll have a chance. Um, they also signed Eric Young Jr., yep. a veteran who, who who could break with the club. Um, and then there's some other names, you know, down even in the lower levels, like Mikey Stremski, who who could have a chance, uh, an outside shot to appear at some point this year. Maybe not at the outset of the season, but mm-hmm. um, but at some point down the line. What do you make of the uh, seeming obsession so far by Mike Elias and I'm guessing Sig? That that they seem to to really they they took these two Rule Five guys. We know VR is going to most likely play second base, but they they've got you know Richie Martin. Then they got Drew Jackson. They've gotten somebody else. They also have Steve Wilkerson, uh, and now they they seem obsessed. They got Hanser Alberto uh, yesterday. Another guy that plays like multiple positions. That really seems like they really want to get a competition going for that last spot in the infield, it seems like. Well, there's no question. And I think, you know, in years past, we've kind of all rolled our eyes at Rule 5 drafts and, and, and you know, the Orioles attempting to keep, what was it, three Rule 5 players on the roster at right. one point last year. Right. Um, and and this, is, this is a team that, you know, despite winning only 47 games last year, was trying to win at the beginning of the year. They thought, hey, we, we, we can be in this, we have a shot. And, and in, in prior years, it was the same boat. They were, they were keeping Wolf, uh, one or two Wolf 5 guys on the roster, and it seemed kind of foolish, um, and it was frustrating for everyone to watch. Now that this team is not expecting to win and, and almost actively you know, trying to lose uh, for a few years in order to, to rebuild, um, it, it's almost... <laughs> I'm almost excited to see these Rule 5 players and get them out there and let them play just to see what happens. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see both Drew Jackson and Richie Martin and see what they could do. And, you know, you put them out there in, in Major League games, and if they fall on their face, hey, they're, they're Rule 5 guys. They're not, um, they're not these, you know, top prospects that you drafted and brought up and expected a lot from. These are, these are lottery tickets now at this point. Um, and that's that's exciting to me for, for this team and, and where they're at. And and like you mentioned, some of the other guys like Steve Wilkerson. I mean, you know, there's a lot of these names: Rio Ruiz and and yep. Bielma and you know Renato Nunez. And there's a lot of these names that are just going to be thrown in there and thrown into the mix, um, especially on the left side of that infield, where you know we'll see what happens and we'll see probably a lot of rotation and a lot of different guys. Uh, getting chances and you know i'm fine with that i think that that's fun and and we'll see if anybody can kind of uh you know grab a position and run with it and and make it their own 
Hey, we'll save the the fun topics uh, for a couple weeks down the road when I'm back from Sarasota. Craig's going to be in next week working for me. Uh, he's doing the Nat Show on Mid Atlantic Sports uh, on the Masson Network. He's doing the Nat Show today. But um, the eight thousand pound elephant still in the room is number nineteen, Chris Davis. What is your and I think he's batted seven times, or at least he had through through Thursday. And he'd struck out five times. He'd hit a home run. Uh, you know, the, the average can't be too good so far. Um, do you think there's any chance that he can reclaim 60%, 70% of what he once was, which would then, at that point, that's a $10 million ball player? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That that's a $10 million ball yeah. player. I mean, yeah. in this. In this uh, baseball economic world, it, it is kind of incredible. I, I honestly, Stan, I think that there's a better chance of, with <laughs> this new front office, I think there's a better chance of, not, not anytime soon, but before his contract is at least up, yeah. I think there's a better chance of the Orioles cutting ties with him down the line I... uh, than, than him regaining it. Now, that's obviously not what anyone wants. We, yeah. We'd all like him to regain not 60 or 70%. We'd like him to regain 25 or 30%. Of, of what he used to be, and, and, and that would make maybe a five or six million dollar right. ball player. Right. Um, but at this point, the Orioles are just going to kind of grin and bear it with him and, and yep. you know, allow him to to play first base and, and struggle more than likely and, and you know, just kind of see what happens. But it, it doesn't look good. And, and, and look, I've, I've gotten roasted on, on social media for being a guy who, uh, even as, as late as the beginning of last year, defending the Chris Davis contract when it was handed out because it showed something from the organization and from the front office that they were willing to spend money finally. Um, and, and, and that was really my only defense is yep. that at least they were willing to do something. It might not have been the right money to spend in the right place, but, um, but they were at least willing to do it at the time, which at the time was a big deal. I mean, yep. that, that showed a lot. Um, it obviously has, has not worked out well. It's been, it's been, one of the worst contracts in, in baseball, if not the worst. Yep. And um, they're, they're just going to kind of have to live with it now. It's, it, everyone really, really complained a lot about the Ubaldo Jimenez contract when it, handed, it was handed out. And that one looks, you know, looks great fantastic compared to the Chris compared Davis to Chris now. Davis. Right. Um, and it's, it's a shame, but it's something that the Orioles are going to have to live with and, and they're going to continue to uh, until it's over. Or perhaps, like I said, maybe a few years early if they just decide to cut ties. All right, Andrew, many thanks for joining us so early in the morning out in Arizona and continued good luck on the diet and fitness, and we'll talk to you soon. Anytime, Stan. Thanks so All much. All right, Andrew Stetka writes for Utah Street Report and Masson Sports.